everybody. Welcome into the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. I'm Tony Andraki here with Andy Martinez. And Andy, we are doing this podcast. We had initially planned on doing it on Thursday morning. We had planned all week. We figured, hey, by then maybe the Cubs will have a win. Well, they actually do have a win. They won one. Wednesday night, they finally got the monkey off their back. The 11-game losing streak is history. It definitely will go down as in history as one of the longest losing streaks in, in franchise history. But Andy being out there Wednesday night for the game, watching Alec Mills and this offense and everything come through, what stood out to you most about the Cubs ending this, this dubious streak? Uh, to me, it was really this was a complete win. This was kind of like the the Cubs team we had seen in May. This is the, the you know when the when the team was rolling. This is kind of the team that we saw, right? You know, we saw Alec Mills go out there five and two thirds, and you know probably could have gotten that last out if uh, if if Ross would have led him and, and gotten the quality start. But you know, a good starting pitching and then turn to the bullpen to to shut things down. They were they were dominant over the last uh, three and the third innings. Uh, so, you know, that, that was just kind of what I saw. And then timely hitting seven, uh, seven hits with two outs to, or seven RBI hits with two outs. Uh, so, you know, just a lot of timely hitting, a lot of, a lot of good patience uh, at the plate, a lot of good approaches where they were taking things, they were taking the hits uh, to the opposite side of the field. I mean, it was just really good to see um, the, the Cubs that we kind of had seen, right? Like in the 11 game losing streak, Anthony Rizzo and Alec Mills both said it, you know, there was a lot of things just weren't going their way. When, when the offense was there, the pitching wasn't there. And when the pitching was there, you know, the offense wasn't there, you know, it was just, you know, it seemed like everything was just going against them. And in this game, it seemed like everything went for them. It started right at the beginning of the game. You know, uh, Chris Bryant hits a grounder to Didi Gregorius. You, you think, all right, two outs in the first inning, you know, Zach Wheeler's going to be dealing and Didi Gregorius fumbles the ball. Chris Bryant gets on base. Um, then the offense starts rolling. And then Wilson Contreras, two batters later, hits a line out. They throw it back to second and they originally call Chris Bryant out on replay. He's safe. You know, everything was just going the Cubs way. And it was it was good for the Cubs to kind of get those breaks to, to get back uh, on the winning track. And not, that's not to say that it was all because of the breaks that they won. Um, they definitely created their own magic, but it was, it was just good to see an overall Cubs uh, performance like like we had seen earlier in the season. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. That was actually what I was going to say stood out to me the most is that they got the breaks. Things went their way because, like you said, I mean, Ross said it probably just about every day of the, the stretch of the 11-game losing streak that things weren't going their way. And they were getting some bad breaks. Um, they obviously weren't playing as well as they are capable of as well. Uh, but yeah, now, you know, things were going their way and, and they made the, there's that old phrase and John Lester used to kind of say it too, like you make your own luck. And that is how they, how they accomplished that on Wednesday night was making contact, moving the baseball, putting the ball in play. And that's where all of those two out RBI came from. What Jason Hayward in the first inning, Nico Horner comes back to lineup, does what he does. I mean, that guy, Nico Horner with two outs and runners in scoring position is like, Seriously, I don't know how many people in baseball you'd want to have up other than him right now. He's hitting like, I think, 440 or somewhere around there uh, this season in those such situations. And then Rafael Ortega as well has just been uh, kind of a bright spot, especially lately. He's had some really nice at-bats for this team. So, yeah, I'm with you for sure. I think the the breaks going their way was a huge thing. Um, and I think Alec Mills is also a really important factor since the Cubs have 
put him in the rotation, they've been talking about needing more length. And we know they didn't get it with Arietta the last couple of times out, but Mills has given him that. He's given him five and two thirds innings, back-to-back outings here. He's the same guy who is capable of, of getting on a good run here uh, and, and just being able to, to give the Cubs innings. So I think Mills is just a, a really valuable piece of this rotation moving forward, especially for a team that is trying to get back into the hunt. So Andy, you mentioned he was one out away from, from getting that quality start, but really what were you, what were your takeaways from Mills's start Wednesday night? I think these last two starts have been really, it's just what the Cubs have needed out of starting pitching, you know, last outing, um, obviously they get the, they get some tough luck and get the loss, but he had nine strikeouts. I mean, he looked like he was in control the whole time um, up until that last inning that he pitched. And then same thing that with this inning, he was in control. You know, the, he was just shutting down the Phillies. The Phillies had no answer for him. And, and, you know, in the sixth inning, he gave up a couple hits and he said he would have liked to have some pitches back there. But, you know, other than that, you know, when your team, when your offense is scoring eight runs, you're okay with giving up a couple or a few runs um, when your pitcher's pitching like that, when your offense is hitting like that. Alec Mills has been tremendous. And, and you know, at the beginning of the season, I think everyone, you know, David Ross, Tommy Hadovy, Jed Hoyer, they all spoke on on Alec Mills and how important he was going to be for this, for this team. And, and, you know, out of coming out of camp, he was, he didn't make the rotation. He was in the bullpen um, and, they kept saying, you know, he's going to get starts. He's going to pitch beginnings for us. And the last two starts, I mean, that's so far as, as big of a, a innings that he's pitched all season. I mean, he's been, he's been uh, crucial for the Cubs pitching staff, whether it's in the, in the starting line or in the rotation, or he's got a save earlier in the season. So, you know, he's proven he's, he can do a lot and he's been very beneficial for the Cubs pitching staff this season. Yeah. And, you know, I think he's, certainly earned a rotation spot moving forward here as well. Like you said, he, he is a guy that was available out of the bullpen uh, before he had that low back strain and pretty much has been a starter ever since. But, you know, right now, Andy, as we look at this to Mills, that was his last outing probably before the all-star break. Uh, the Cubs have four games left. Again, we're recording this on Thursday morning. So the final, uh, the finale against the Phillies and then a three-game series against the Cardinals at home. So now that they got the one win, they got, you know, this elephant is out of the room. They're yeah. able to, to get that off their back and the pressure and everything else. Andy, is this the start of a good stretch for the Cubs? So I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes, because of the schedule. Um, you know, you look ahead, the Cardinals have been, you know, they had a really good series against the Giants, but prior to that, you know, they've been struggling. It's been a, it's been a tough go for the Cardinals that a lot of people, a lot of outsiders thought that the Cardinals were the runaway favorites for the NL Central, that they were just going to cruise to the NL Central after getting Arenado. And, and, you know, they've, they've been toiling in third and fourth place the last, the last week or so, last two weeks. Um, this is a perfect opportunity. The Cubs have played the Cardinals well, coming back home at Wrigley Field, uh, you know, a summer weekend series before the All-Star break against the Cardinals is always going to be fun. And then you come out of the All-Star break, you kind of get, you know, a little rejuvenated. You get, you get a little little R&R, and then you come back and you face the Diamondbacks who have been – we, we talked about, a, a, you know, a podcast or two ago, but the Diamondbacks have been struggling. And, and you know, that's just like the perfect – storm per se uh for for the cubs to kind of right the ship and and try and get back into the contention and conversely milwaukee i mean they're they're going through a tough stretch they face the mets they played a double header on wednesday um and it's just a tough stretch of their schedule so kind of what we saw in june for the cubs or the brewers it seemed like every day they were playing either the rockies or the diamondbacks now you know the 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 cubs are going to get some of that that lighter schedule and the brewers are going to get that that tougher end of the schedule 
Yeah, definitely. I, I think the Cardinals, they're already without Jack Flaherty. They put him on the 60-day IL recently, so they're not expecting him back at all this month. Uh, and Carlos Martinez just got yeah. hurt as well. So for a team already short of starting pitchers, uh, they have two of their best are on the IL for an extended period of time here. And you're right. I mean, the Cardinals and the Cubs have the last few days have been kind of vacillating back and forth between third and fourth place. As we record this, the Cubs are a half game up on that. So, yeah, this certainly is a huge weekend. That series right after the All-Star break in St. Louis, that four-game set, also a, a big series as well. But, yeah, I, I'm with you, Andy. I, I don't know fully what to make. Um, I can't answer, like, is this the start of a good stretch for the Cubs or not? Because I didn't see an 11-game losing streak coming. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think anybody did. The, the Cubs certainly didn't. <clears throat> I know that for a fact. But as of, you know, us in the media covering these guys, watching them all the time, the last, you know, we did a podcast two weeks ago, like you said, and we did, it was, you know, you, Elise Menneker and I were on and we were breaking down the no hitter and how the Cubs were 4-0 against the Dodgers. And we were talking about this June schedule and how difficult it was and how the Cubs were 12 and 10 in that difficult schedule at that point and things were good and all of this. And then bam, 11 game losing streak hits and they go from tied in for first place to suddenly, you know, all the way down to fourth place for about a day there. So, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I'm totally with you that if there's ever a, a good stretch in the Cubs, it has to be now for urgency, but also it, it could be now because of the Diamondbacks, because of the Cardinals, because the Phillies are a team that before they came to town were kind of struggling to, to fire on all cylinders as well. So, um, yeah, it's it certainly could be the stage is set for it to possibly be a, a good stretch here for the Cubs. And I think it's going to be maybe some of the most interesting two or three weeks in really in all the time that I've ever covered the Cubs it, to see what happens and what transpires over the next few weeks. This all-star break is going to be kind of cool. And we're going to see these four games going into it just to see it play out. So on that note, Andy, let's move on to the big topic of the month, which is yeah. the Cubs position at the trade deadline. I, I, you know, I think we obviously talked about it. We've alluded a bit to it here, but the most important thing Jed Hoyer said when he met with the media last week in Cincinnati and, and we asked him about some of the trade deadline and the position and how it is that he watches these games. He was asked when he needs to make a decision on this team. And he said, realistically, July 30th. And I think that was the most important thing he said, because it's true. He doesn't have to decide right now on July 8th if the Cubs are going to be buyers or sellers. He doesn't have to take an 11-game losing streak and say, hey, that automatically means we're going to sell this month. Right. Possibly does. I mean, an 11-game losing streak is obviously a very difficult sign, uh, both just in the standings and, and what it says about a, a team as well. But yeah, I mean, there's still plenty of time for the Cubs to get back into it, which is what they say uh, they want to do, and they're focused on the day-to-day. So Andy, you're Jed Hoyer. What are you looking at over the next few weeks to determine what you do at the deadline? Or is your mind already made up right now here on July 8th? I think it's hard to say your mind's already mind up, made up one way or the other, just because like you said, there was an 11 game losing streak that no one saw that no one saw coming. No one saw happening. We don't know what's going to happen in the next two to three weeks in terms of up until the trade of the line, in terms of playing, they have an easy schedule. It's, it's to, not totally out of the realm of possibilities that, you know, they go on a hot stretch and go, you know, 10 and two or something ridiculous like that. And they're, you know, they're right back in it. And it's like, how can you justify being a seller when you're, you know, a couple games back out of the division race? Uh, it, it's, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a tricky situation because you can't commit to something right now 
because of how much time is left and just because of the, how the schedule is, you know, there's just so much that can happen that it's tough to, to say, Hey, Hey, we're a hundred percent. We're buyers or, Hey, we're a hundred percent sellers because of something, you know, if you go on an eight game winning streak or, or go, like I said, 10 and two, how can you justify saying one way or the other? How, how can you justify, especially going selling the selling route when you're, Hey, you're now back a few games. Like everyone wants a shot. Once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. You, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, throw away that chance because you don't know when you're going to get back in the playoffs. So you want to just stay in that position. And that's the, the tricky situation where it's like you it, it's really like Jed Hoyer said, it's really up until July 30th. He has to make up his mind as to what they do. Uh, and it's going to be interesting. It's, it's all going to be dictated by what the Cubs uh, do on the field in terms of wins and losses in, in these next couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I feel like um, it, so it's tough. I mean you you listen to Ross especially and some of these guys talk about the the 11 game losing streak and talk after there were definitely some some really difficult losses some losses that were tough to swallow for the fan base for the team in there I, I think specifically you know the first two games of the Philly series and that Wednesday in Milwaukee were were just pretty tough like getting out to a seven nothing lead you kind of expect that you're going to be able to gain a, a game on the first place team there in, in Milwaukee right. it just didn't work out that way but I think what Ross said is is true that they weren't playing horrible baseball during the stretch. Like they definitely had some games where, you know, I, I Tuesday night they just didn't look great defensively, and the pitching staff has struggled, or the offense has struggled here and there. But there there were also a lot of one run losses, and we saw that the entire weekend in Cincinnati. We saw that you know they were right in some games uh, in LA for the most part, and in in Milwaukee the first couple of games were really close tight games until they pulled away in, uh, you know, on Monday night in that kind of drastic eighth inning there. So, yeah, so I don't, I don't see a team who, it wasn't like the Diamondbacks when we did talk in an earlier podcast where they were like three and 36 during a stretch where like they were kind of getting blown out on a lot of nights and they were just, you know, clearly a a bad team. I don't think the Cubs played bad baseball during this stretch for some of it. Others of it. Yeah. I think they definitely didn't play up to their capabilities. So I, I think it is hard to look at that and be like, Hey, this team is not capable of, of doing what we saw for a six or seven week stretch there, like an 11 game stretch doesn't necessarily erase what they did in, you know, kind of from late April, early May through, like we said about June 24th there, that was about almost two months. It was like six or seven weeks of really strong play where the Cubs were beating the Mets and the, the, um, the Padres and the Dodgers and just playing well overall and so, yeah, so I th- I'm with you. I don't think Hoyer's mind is made up, but I also think you look at this and Jed's been here. He's seen the offense go through ruts like this before. He's seen it in 2018. He saw it, you know, for stretches in 2019. And then last year was kind of a season long thing where, where I, Ross, I always kind of come back to this, but Ross just said, we just didn't hit. And that was kind of his summation of the season. And I think that's true. They just had one run in the entire playoff series against the Marlins. So to see that, to see the way the offense has been for a pretty long period of, of time here, I think that also factors into the equation for Jed. So I, I think he certainly needs to uh, still needs some more time to exactly pick a lane because we talk about the Cubs schedule. Well, the Brewers schedule is, is definitely a factor here too. They and the Reds, they play each other for the next seven games, a four game series starting today, going into the all-star break, and then a three game series coming out of it. So the Cubs are guaranteed if they keep winning, let's say they keep winning. 
the Cubs are guaranteed to gain ground on one of the two teams ahead of them in the division for the next seven days that they're playing. And then after that, the Brewers have to play the Royals, well, like who haven't obviously been struggling a bit, but then the White Sox, they have a three-game series there. They play the Braves at the end of the month. The Reds play the Mets, a four-game series against the Cubs, and then they play uh, the Cardinals as well. So it's just, it's not necessarily an easy schedule for either team. It is certainly the, these next few weeks will determine for sure what the Cubs will do because of the schedule, because of everything else we saw, and because history comes at play here. So Andy, I guess with as we talk about the schedule and everything too, let's go the positive route first. What do the Cubs need to do to get back into the race and potentially avoid a sell-off at the deadline, but also actually be buyers here? Like what has to happen? What percentage in your mind? I, I, I guess that's tough to put. Like I think their playoff odds are about six or seven percent right now. But what has to happen for them to to make those six or seven percent a reality here? Yeah, so I I'm I totally look at playoff percentages, but I'm not like when you look at what the Nationals did in 19, like it's hard to justify the playoff odds just because you know the, the Nationals went on a run and, and it just kind of proves that anything can happen. For the Cubs, it's just about winning, you know, getting you you roll off four or five wins here before the all-star break, and then you win a couple coming out and you, you see what the Brewers do. But if you're winning and you're hot and you're you know, three or four games back, like how can you justify trading away any pieces when you're, you're right back in the contention and, you know, the Brewers, the one thing about the Brewers, they have a dominant pitching top to bottom, whether it's the bullpen or the starting rotation, but the offense has been so, you know, it's been, they, they at one point they had the worst batting average that they some might in, in, in baseball. They're, they're so uh, we, we sometimes we talk about the Cubs being, you know, all or nothing. The Brewers are really much all or nothing when it comes to their offense. Um, you know, it's it's it, you just got to you just got to wait and see. It's it's just a, like we mentioned, the Cubs have to the Cubs roll off a couple wins and they get back in it. How can you justify, you know, selling away? And, and, and then at that position, you know, once if once you're rolling away some wins and you're, you know, a week or so out from the trade deadline and, and you're three or four games back, then that's when it's like, all right, we, let's let's add to this and, and try and make a run of the Brewers and try and and try and show them that, hey, we're still the top dog in the NL Central. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen how fast things can turn too. like the we mentioned it, the Cubs before this 11 game losing streak we're tied for first place. And obviously the Brewers went on an incredible run and the Cubs went the exact opposite way. And that's how you get to nine games back and fall to fourth place. But that's how quickly things can turn the other way. And that's what the Cubs keep mentioning as well, is that that's what they have to hope for. They have to take that day-to-day mindset. They have to focus on one day at a time. So right now it's focusing on Thursday, beating Zach Eflin and the Phillies, and then uh, and going into the Cardinals on the weekend, figuring out Friday, you got Kyle Hendricks and Zach Davies pitching, figuring out Sunday spot. So, yeah, I think that's what it is for me as well is just stacking wins. It's playing well at home when you're supposed to, you know, if they are able to, to finish out this homestand, say, and they're able to go, you know, five and two on the homestand after starting out and losing the first couple of games. Well, yeah, sure. You feel a lot better going into the break. You get four days off to actually relax and reset. And they haven't had a ton of opportunity to do that. Like the schedule has been a big factor. They've talked about it, but their brutal travel in June, I think caught up to them at the end. And I think the losing streak is part of a byproduct of that. And, and that might be perceived as making excuses for them. And, and they haven't made that excuse outright, but I do think that's a factor. I mean, when you're getting in at three or 4 AM 
and it, you know, multiple times and you're traveling at night all the time. And, and I still go back to that series in, in New York. I don't understand why that Thursday night game was played at night. And then they were able to get that Marlins game shifted to, to a night game at Wrigley on the next day, but still they got in super late from their, their East coast trip there. And it was weird. And, and so then they have to get back home at two or 3 AM and they're just, it started things off on a bad path. And then obviously the West coast trip and everything else. I do think that, it played a factor and their schedule obviously is a lot easier here. They have, um, they just didn't play at home a ton in June. They still have this homestand here. They have a nice long seven game homestand leading up to the trade deadline as well. Uh, so yeah, I, I think we will certainly see what this team is made of over the next few weeks. And we're going to take a quick break here, but when we come back, we are going to talk about the other way. If the Cubs sell, what would they do and uh, answer some burning questions about this team? So we'll see you in a bit. At Wintrust, we know true fans show their team pride every chance they get. With Cubs checking, you'll score a Cubs debit card, so you can show your support every time you pay. Open today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. $100 required to open. Member FDIC. So, Andy, right before we took a break, we were talking about what the Cubs need to do to get back into the race here. Uh, I know the odds are kind of stacked against them here, but to be honest, like, call me crazy. Tell me I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, whatever you want. I actually believe it could be it could happen for all those reasons that we said. I think it is possible. Uh, I, I don't know exactly how likely it is, but I think the next few days for sure, and obviously the next couple of weeks, will will tell what the Cubs do at the deadline. If they go the other way, if they aren't able to stack wins and, and things don't go their way, as we mentioned before, too, what do you see happening here in terms of the sell-off? Do you think it's this big kind of fire sale where a lot of these guys, they have almost half the roster are, you know, said to be a free agent at the end of the season. So they could sell off a ton of different pieces and get a lot in return, potentially in terms of prospect capital, or they could have kind of a mini sell-off or a half sell-off where they, they tow that middle ground where Craig Kimbrell, who figures to be the, the most coveted piece at the deadline as of right now, he, they could sell him off or maybe a, one or two other guys here and get a pretty decent prospect haul in return, but hang on to some of the other guys, get the comp picks for big free agents like, you know, uh, Bryant, Rizzo, Javi, if they happen to leave, or obviously still spend time talking with them and try to work out a contract extension for either the rest of this year or, you know, early in October and November there. How do you see it playing out, Andy? Like what direction do you think the Cubs could go, let's say, if they are not able to stack wins? Yeah, I think it'll be it'll be interesting because the, the biggest trade piece, and we've seen it, you know, from from, uh, you know, other experts, national writers, you know, it's Craig Kimbrell. And it, it makes sense. You know, everyone, every team that's in contention always needs bullpen help. They always need bullpen arms like, you know, you could have the best bullpen in baseball and everyone always needs another bullpen arm. Uh, and Craig Kimbrell is as good as it's been. I mean, he's likely a huge uh, future Hall of Famer. Uh he's been as good as he's been, you know, as we've seen Craig Kimbrell in a Cubs uniform. And, and it's hard to, to not say, Hey, this is the number one guy. If you were to sell something off uh, to, to get a return, it's very possible. We could see something like what the, what the um, Yankees did in 2016, where, you know, everyone talks about the Cubs acquiring world as Chapman. Uh, and then, but what the, everyone kind of forgets is that the Yankees sold off Andrew Miller too, sold off to Cleveland. Both guys took those relievers or the both relievers took their team, helped their teams get to the world series. Um, the Yankees, if you remember, they were in the playoffs the year before they missed 2016. And then they were right back in the playoffs in 2017, probably the fastest rebuild in, in the history of baseball rebuilds, but that's totally something that could happen, right? You saw a couple of pieces, you, you build things back up and then 
you know, you, you sign your, 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 someone of like Javi or Rizzo or, or, or KB. And then, you know, you, you build your team uh, around that and, and who knows, you, you're right back in it maybe the next year. That's totally in the realm of possibilities. And that's totally something that can happen. And I think we saw the seeds of that in the off season when, when you Darvish was traded away and it rebuilt the farm capital, um, Jed Hoyer, I'm, I'm going to, I'm butchering the, the exact usage he, he used, but it was about having more capital in the farm system, right? The more pieces in the farm system, that's something that, you know, the Cubs haven't had the, 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 the farm pieces where if they're trying to contend, you know, they, they don't have the farm capital to, to trade and acquire assets that they need. Um, he mentioned too, you know, there's been other teams who have when, you know, when their competitive window per se closes, they haven't been able to get back to what they have been. And, and Jed is trying to, you know, thread that needle of building the farm system and having that, you know, thriving, but also being competitive at the big league level. And so it's totally within the realm of possibility that we see some, some sort of, I don't want to call it a sell off. Cause in, like when I hear sell off, I think like everyone's gone, everything's there's no, there's no limits. Like if you want this player, he's, he's totally available. Um, I just think of it as like a, as like a, as like a, uh, go garage sale, I guess. Like there's some things that are available that you can, that you can have. And, uh, but they're also trying to build up their their overall organizational health. I like that a lot. It's like a garage sale, not like a fire sale. That's exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like there are some clearance items, but there are some also items that are available. Right. Like, yeah, no, that's great. And, and I think that that maybe is the most likely path for what happens here. Um, you know, I think it's it's certainly possible that the Cubs – go one way or the other drastically uh it's probably most likely that they you know kind of play 500 baseball maybe a little over a little under and things are a bit tougher at the trade deadline for for Jed Hoyer in terms of you know he doesn't want to get rid of some that's the thing is some of these guys are certainly like quote-unquote rentals like you know Jack Peterson or Zach Davies have been with the team for one year but there are other guys that you want to be part of your core moving forward, or if you do and have been a huge part of the past, Bryant, Rizzo, Javi, uh, Wilson Contreras has is signed through 2022 as well. So um, there are certainly like a lot of questions with that and dealing away guys like, again, Rizzo, Javi, or Bryant, who are like faces of the franchise who helped break that that World Series drought, there's a lot of implications that come with that beyond just the prospect capital, beyond how it affects the the roster and everything else. It, it affects the fan base and, and um, you know, just moving forward, it affects the future and the potential paths that Jed Hoyer's front office has for this team. So, so yeah, this, this kind of garage sale is, is maybe the most likely option here too, because it, it's, I, it's going to take a lot for the Cubs to get back into the race. It's certainly possible. But also at the same time, I, I don't know, I don't know what you're necessarily getting for all of these guys too. I don't know that answer right now on July 8th. I don't think Jed knows that answer right now. I, he's had cursory initial discussions with other teams, sure, but teams competing against each other and desperation at the deadline is what brings about, like you said, what the Yankees got in return for Aroldis Chapman for Andrew Miller, like you know, the Cubs giving up Glaber Torres and then the following year giving up Eli Jimenez and Dylan Cease for Jose Quintana. There's a bit of desperation that leads to that. There's competition. There's the fact that you get up to the deadline and Jed said this a bunch. He said over the winter, like a deadline is what creates action. It's what makes things happen. So I think either way, we don't know the answers to all of these things or what the Cubs could get in return until about then, because 
their Cubs aren't jumping the market either way right now. That's what it, you know, I, I can't see them trading away any of those big pieces right now, but I also certainly don't see them adding anything or buying anything. And I think they would wait until very, you know, July 29th or 30th until they make a lot of those decisions and see what they're able to get back. And you know, all of this that we're talking about too, how the team plays on the field and everything else that all might change. If there are some teams out there, if the Padres really want a world series, if the Mets do, if, if the white Sox really do, or they come calling across town rivals, if they're willing to give up this huge haul for a Bryant, for a Kimbrel, for an Andrew Chafin, who should actually, you know, fetch a decent amount as a reliable left-handed reliever, like, if there's a, a huge amount there, then it'd be difficult for Jed to say no, especially if his team is kind of towing the line in contention or not. So, yeah, I, I, it's it's tough. It's fun to talk about right now. And um, I think the Cubs can make things interesting. And that's really what I'm going to be looking for over the next few weeks. I think this is going to be an awesome few weeks because it has so many implications for the future of the franchise, not just the future of this year. So I, I'm pretty pumped to, to see how the next couple of weeks play out. But um, there are some questions that come into that as well. And I think the health of some of these guys play a factor. It plays a role here too. Chris Bryant just left Wednesday's game with hamstring tightness. Javi Baez was scratched before Wednesday's game with, with that right thumb is acting up again. Uh, and Ryan Tapera has missed the last few days as well. But through a live bullpen on Tuesday to Patrick Wisdom, all signs are he's he's able to come back on Friday when first eligible from the IL, which would be a huge boost to the bullpen. So, Andy, as I talk about those three guys and the injuries here um, and Justin Steele, another one who's working his way back. How what, what are your updates maybe on those guys and how they could factor in over the at least the next few days, but definitely the next couple of weeks? I think in a lot of ways, maybe not so much with Javi and, and, and KB because they've been playing for the most part every day. But when you talk about like a Ryan Tapera or, or you talk about, you know, these guys who have been out for a while, Justin Steele, like in a way that's kind of like your, your first trade deadline acquisition, right? Like getting back Ryan Tapera, your eighth inning, seventh inning guy, depending on matchups, Justin Steele, you're probably who, when he went down was behind Andrew Chafin, the best left-handed reliever coming out of the pen. Um, it's just, it's, there's like these mini acquisitions that are, could help you one way, you know, when you're trying to compete, when you're trying to, to win some more ball games, they're, they're going to help you. And, and that's, that's the big thing for, for the Cubs right now is getting those guys back healthy. Um, KB too, you know, he, we've seen him play through, through injuries throughout the, the season, especially last year. I mean, he tried to play through it and we saw kind of what happened when he was playing through injuries. Um, it's, it's going to be interesting just to kind of see what, how they use the time leading up to the all-star break uh, in terms of what they do with injuries. Like, do you maybe hold off the throttle since you you know you've got these four days coming up, or do you maybe push it because you know the four days are coming up? Do you say, hey, like you can rest, you know, uh, come Monday and have those four days off? It'll be interesting to see. I think with KB, the, the interesting thing is he's he's in the All Star game um, as of right now. Like he's still committed to playing. Like he he's he he won't have the full four days off. Um, so it'll be interesting kind of to see what happens there. But the, the injury front for uh, Chris Bryant and Javi Baez is very important because if the Cubs do intend to, com to compete and, and be buyers at the deadline, whatever, like it's all contingent on Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo and and uh, Javi Baez being the core of the team and, and, and leading the offense and leading the team to where they want to go. Yeah, for sure. And um, we actually we've seen Javi really wake up uh, mm -hmm. the last few days and he's honestly he's looked good you know he's taking his walks he's not chasing as much he's not swinging and missing as much so uh that would be huge if he's able if he has to miss some time and you brought up a good point about the all-star break with the four days coming up it 
to me, it seems kind of hard, even though these are like must win games and as must win as, as they really could be for the Cubs. It's, it's hard to look at their history of hamstring injuries really just around the game, but also the Cubs this year and think that, you know, Bryant is going to be able to, to get out there and play depending on the severity of that and, and how he wakes up today or tomorrow and stuff. It, it, you know, it, there's a very reasonable path here where he just doesn't play these final four games takes essentially a week or so off, uh, including the all-star break doesn't play in the all-star game and then comes back for that series in Arizona to start next weekend. So that's, Definite possibility and certainly makes things more difficult for the Cubs uh, to try to to get back into this race, as we talked about. But I think Ryan Tapera would be huge. Uh, just Russ has always talked about being able to set up Kimbrel Tapera Chafin to see that for another couple of weeks here, possibly like that, that change that could change the calculus entirely. It, it'd be a huge factor. And Tapera needed a break too. Like he had the calf injury and a couple other non-arm related uh, little issues that popped up, they said, but I think just for for him to get that break, for him to get right physically, uh, that workload really impacted him. And, and, you know, he could come back maybe fresher than ever. So we'll see. But I think that could be huge as well. Um, On the health topic, on topic of performance and everything else, Jake Arrieta had another tough start Tuesday night at Wrigley, was unable to get through the second inning for the second straight start. Really, over the last like two months, you know, ten starts, he has an ERA, uh, you know, almost nine. He has certainly struggled in uh, with his command and just isn't getting the results that he wants. But he was emphatic that he has a lot left in the tank. This isn't the end for him. That you know, he has felt good, like in terms of his stuff, and it's true. I mean, he's throwing the the radar gun is still lighting up some ninety threes, ninety fours in that last game on Tuesday night. But yeah, the command is the biggest thing. He's getting hit hard. He's walking guys, hitting guys. Uh, So he's on the IL now with a hamstring injury. Gives him certainly like at least 10 days here to get right physically and to to work on his mechanics, get back into his, uh, his, I don't know, get back into a groove or at least like have an opportunity to see what happens. Um, And I guess, where do you, where do you see things going with Ariad and the Cubs here? Like it, it sounds like he's probably going to get at least one more opportunity with the team coming off the IL. Uh, but I don't know how many opportunities are coming after that. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting. Ross said that, you know, when, when we, he was asked about the, the hamstring injury, which is why he was put on the IL Ross said, you know, I, I, it's one of those things. He, I'll, I'll read exactly what he said, but he says it's one of those things where I think he thinks he's fine. Something's going on with the way he's pitching. Uh, I think it's best. We just take care of that. So they're going to optimize this this time on the IL, give them the rest. And then I think they're definitely going to come back after the all-star break, um, you know, use the time off, you know, throw some bullpens, throw some, you know, throw some side sessions and, and then come back after the all-star break and see like, hey, is he is he a viable piece for the rotation? Is he a viable piece for the pitching staff? And then take it from there because, you know, it, it's it's unrealistic to to have him continue if if he's not making it out of the second inning like he has the last two starts. And and I think Jake Arrieta knows that. The Cubs know that. Uh, the, the whole team is aware of that. And the fans are aware of that, too, obviously. It's, it's you know, I think they want to give him one more chance because he was emphatic about it. The Cubs, they have more advanced uh, metrics and more advanced uh, data than we do. They They might, they probably see something that, you know, if they can correct something, maybe, you know, they'll see the Jake area they're hoping to get uh, when they signed him in the offseason. 
Yeah, they were really high on him when they signed mm-hmm. him in the offseason. They really believed, um, you know, Tommy Hadovy has obviously worked with Arietta in the past, Mike Borzello, in addition to Ross catching Arietta. And so there's this longstanding relationship that they truly believe they were able to unlock something that he was unable to do in, in Philadelphia over the last few years in between his Chicago stints. So, um, you know, if they're able to get back to that and, and look, he was really good for the first five, six starts of the year. Like he carried the rotation at a time when Kyle Hendricks and Zach Davies were struggling out of the gate in April and Arietta was good. I mean, he was, he was legitimately good. He was getting some swings and misses. He was limiting base runners. Uh, he had like a 257 ERA, I think in the first five or six outings. So uh, he helped get the team's first win and, and the fan base welcomed him back with open arms. So things have definitely taken a serious left turn since then. Uh, it will certainly be interesting to see how the next two weeks or so play out in that regard. Um, but just in the short term, Andy, his rotation spot is coming up for the first half finale on Sunday against the Cardinals going into the all-star break. Obviously he's not making that start. Corey Abbott is up from, from triple a Iowa Cole Stewart, by the way, also went on the, the injured list on Monday. So he's not an option, but Justin Steele, as we talked about, he's working his way back. He threw 47 pitches Wednesday night with triple a Iowa. So it, do you think it comes down to one of those two guys, Abbott Steele, and then maybe a bullpen game leading into the break? Yeah, it could be Williams too would be on, on, on normal rest yeah. going into that start. Um, Ross talked about how he was stretched out his last outing in, in Iowa in triple I was pitch count was on the high fifties. Ross said it was on like 57, 58. He threw 74 pitches, I believe on, on Tuesday. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but it was in that range. Um, and, and then, so he's theoretically stretched out to be able to pitch. Uh, Ross did not commit to anyone to start Sunday. He says he's, he's unsure. He's he jokes. He says, I don't even know what day it is uh, yesterday. So he, yeah. Probably. Yeah, probably true. Um, yeah. Uh, sometimes I feel that way too, when there's a long stretch of games and no days off, but uh, besides the point, you know, Williams, Abbott, um, Steele, there's a lot of possibilities. It'd be interesting to see, you know, after, I think they're going to wait uh, on Thursday and see how Steele recovers from, from his last uh, outing in triple a, if he, if everything looks good, I, I would be shocked if he's not up with the big league club this weekend for the Cardinal series. Um, and, 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 at least, you know, in the bullpen or something. Um, and then it seems like he's stretched out to where he could be, you know, we, we've seen Tampa Bay do it, but he, he could be like an opener, right? Pitch a few innings and then throw it in, and throw it into a, a longer relief guy or, or someone, you know, like a Trevor Williams uh, and then take it from there. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with Steele. Uh, another guy, a lot of, fa- I've seen a lot of fans asking about Keegan Thompson because he was a starter in the, in the minor leagues. Um, Ross mentioned yesterday, you know, he's a big part of the bullpen and, the way he's been used, he's been being he's being pitched, you know, on back to back days. He's being pitched one inning at a time, two inning at a time. So like I think for for 2021, at least Keegan Thompson is very much uh, a part of the bullpen and, and will remain so barring something dramatic. I, I don't know, Tony, if you, if you think something differently, but that's kind of with Steele and Thompson, the, the, the two big young arms that came off this season. That's kind of where I see them and where the Cubs theoretically see them. Yeah, I agree. Jed said in Cincinnati that he has liked this year seeing guys, the young pitchers break into the bullpen and then maybe choosing a path later on shortly after that break into the big leagues. I'm sorry, in the bullpen and then choosing a path potentially in the rotation beyond and in Steele and Thompson specifically are, are the two greatest examples of that that we've seen. I think the next couple of weeks depends on what Keegan Thompson's lane is for this year and where the Cubs choose, because if, if the Cubs are able to get back into contention, you know, against all odds and, and do all that, as we said, and, and 
go forward with that, Keegan Thompson's going to continue to be a big part of the bullpen, I think, because like you said, he hasn't been stretched out a lot. They don't want to mess with him going back and forth and everything else. And, um, and so, yeah, so I think he will be a guy that's capable of going multiple innings out of the bullpen, or he's a, a guy that could go some short bursts and throw 95, 96 and come in for an inning or, uh, you know, less than an inning to get an out or a batter here or there and work back to back days. So if the Cubs are in contention, that's the path I think they go. If they're not, then I think they can send Thompson back down to AAA Iowa and kind of do what they've done with Steele here. Now with Steele, they had maybe the benefit, the silver lining of coming back from injury is they got to save some bullets on, on his arm but they also have the opportunity here and have had over the last few weeks to stretch him out. So getting up to 47 pitches will allow him to potentially be in the rotation. And given the Cubs issues at trying to get length from their, their starters this year, I think kind of either way, I I think Justin Steele is going to be a factor in this rotation moving forward, whether the Cubs are buyers, sellers, somewhere in between at the deadline, I think Justin Steele legitimately might and, probably will get a shot in the rotation, whether that's three, four innings to start or, you know, potentially building up to longer, the Cubs might want to see like how that plays. Um, and if he's able to, to get up to that point, at least even Sunday or Saturday or Sunday this weekend might be another step in that direction. If, you know, if he joins the big league club and is able to pitch out of the bullpen. So those are two guys, certainly that I think, you know, I'll be keeping an eye on regardless of the Cubs path, at the trade deadline, just because they mean a lot to this team. If, yeah. if you can pencil both of them in to huge roles next year in the bullpen, or especially in the starting rotation, that's an important question and, and check mark the Cubs need to figure out. So those are two guys I'm looking at for sure. Um, yeah. You know, Trevor Williams too, is a, is a guy that coming back off the injured list can certainly factor into the equation for, for Jake Arrieta's spot on Sunday, but either way, It's going to be a really interesting weekend at Wrigley and I think a really interesting next few weeks leading up to the trade deadline as, as you know, the Jed Hoyer in his front office, pick an exact lane and figure things out moving forward. So for Andy, I'm Tony. Thanks for listening to the Cubs weekly podcast. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, That'll do it for this edition of the podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple podcasts. And check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app. Thanks for listening.